hey, Nick, I got to thank you for the amazing birthday gift this year. Uh, best gift I got all year from our new sponsor, Manscaped. You hooked me up with the Lawnmower 3.0. That's right, baby. I called ahead to make sure it worked on gray hairs as well as regular hairs. So, um, yeah, you're all good. You're, you're good to go, man. Can't wait to see that pruned tree of yours. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's pruned. And I got to tell you, the other thing that's great about it is it's not just for using downstairs. I used it on my face right after I used it downstairs. But got to tell you, it's for the money that I didn't spend, you did. It, it really gives you the best and safest shave anywhere you want to use it. Yeah, it makes sense, man. Your downstairs looks just like your upstairs. So It does because I have a boyish, um, how do you say, glisten to myself. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds horrifying, but I'm glad that thing works. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0. I have it as well. And as a hairy Sicilian gorilla, I need that big time. It's, uh, it's honestly one of my favorite tools. Like, not even kidding. One of my favorite things I use. I have all my friends using it as well. And they thought I was just trying to sell them something just because they're our sponsor. But they love it as well. Well, for all of our listeners, if you use our code MANGINA20 at manscaped.com, you will get 20% off your first order and free shipping. That's MANGINA20 at manscaped.com. Uneducated, unfiltered, unhinged. This is the Mangina Dialogues. We at it again with your host Nick Scopes and the Gregolicious. You know how we do, cause you know we keeping it gangster and silly. Unplugged like a fool swung titty. About get kitty, cause you know we down to the nitty and the gritty. And we make shit sound so damn pretty. Yeah, cause this unhinged comedy. And right now you're in the mix. So get ready, cause we bout to get it poppin'. We ain't stopping. I'm educated, I'm filtered. Hello and welcome to the Mangina Dialogues. I am your host, Nick Scopes. And I'm the Gregalicious. And our guest today <laughs> has a special on YouTube that has over 3 million views. It's called Out to Lunch. Check it out. And I was lucky enough, I think like a week or so ago, to host a stand-up New York show in Central Park that he was on. We kissed under a tree. It was great. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Mark Norman. Hey, hey, good to be here. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> a little hungover, a little gay. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Sorry about the shades. I've gone blind from masturbation. But hey, good to be here with you Jews. <laughs> Greg's only half. That's it. I'm I'm not. Greg's, Greg's uh, oh, so you were close. Yeah, you you got a real whoppy name, huh? You're like right <laughs> out of the Dago guinea pile. Scopoletti, yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a pasta. I love the Scopoletti with pasta with a hot sauce or whatever. Yeah, they, they picked them up off the mean Jew streets of Marinek, New York. Wow, the hood. Yeah, the hood. Where where were you last night that you're hung over? What happened? I did a show in Worcester, Mass. Under oh, my God. Not bragging. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> it actually was not terrible. We did three shows back to back to back, and they were pretty good. We sold out two of them and uh, sold some T-shirts. I've never sold more merch in my life. Than in Worcester? No, just in COVID, like in a pandemic. Oh. People are buying merch like it's a vaccine. Yeah, well. Could be. They have a special vaccine that they use for Worcester just specifically. 
What's it called? Fentanyl? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> little fentanyl. Um, so where in Worcester mix. were you? Were you just like in somewhere under a tent or was it like a specific venue? Or They have a comedy club there. Uh, the guys from Laugh Boston open a club and it's a pretty cool room, but obviously you can't be indoors there. So it's just in a parking lot and they put tents up and folding chairs and it kind of worked. There's a dumpster behind you and, uh, you know, rats crawling on your feet and all that, but it's, it actually worked. Interesting. Have you done, I mean, obviously we saw you a couple of weeks ago in, in the city at, at uh, some of the stand-up New York outdoor Central Park shows, but have you been doing a lot of shows the last few months since oh, it's yeah. kind of opened up a bit? Every night, every weekend. I mean, uh, these comedy club producers, they're like sewer rats. They just make it work. They adapt. Yeah. They're like, oh, this is how we, we can't do this. Well, we'll do that. And then we'll get a tent and then we'll get an amp and then we'll get a stage and, you know, put some plastic between the tables we'll we'll knock it out and i'll tell you a couple people are thriving in this like i know a guy who was a comedy club in pennsylvania the comedy club was like doing okay kind of month to month and now he brought it outside he put sand on there it's like a beach party there's a beach ball going everybody's drinking outdoors he's doing better than he ever was wow that's awesome so you've been traveling too so not just lo- not just around, in and around the city in jersey and connecticut Oh, dude, I'm all over this tri-state area. I was in D.C. last weekend. I went to Texas in June and July when uh, it wasn't spiking yet. Right. And then I, you know, did a couple things here and there. I've been, I've been in Utah. Yeah, I've been around. Well, Utah, what's that like? It's great. It's a, <laughs> it's a beautiful place. Everybody's nice. I mean, there's a lot of meth, but... Uh, <laughs> it's just crazy to see so many toothless honkies, but... <laughs> Utah's such a weird place because they, it's a lot of Mormons yep. and they can't have caffeine, they can't have alcohol, they can't have sex, they can't have fun. But it's caused them to be kind of repressed. So they all have neck tattoos and do meth and, you know, uh, watch a ton of porn. So they, they, they just, they don't drink. So then they put all that vice into something else. Yeah. I, I was in Utah one time in Salt Lake City and it was the strangest experience that I of any actual city in the United States I've been to because of all their different weird rules and laws and how the people navigate all that shit. It, it's pretty wild. It's wild. Yeah. They, it, they're, they're so religious and it's like a bubble. They just, they're in those mountains and they just ski and don't fuck and listen to heavy metal. Except they have like, we have a couple, we have a friend that's, um, that lives out there and he's an ex baseball player and he has like what Nick, how many kids does he have? Like six kids. Five or six. Yeah, it's crazy. Gross. Now, and I don't, don't think they're Mormons. Do they no. have coffee shops and shit out there? Or like, can you buy alcohol since there's no drinking or caffeine? Like, what's the... Yeah, it, they just put a cap on everything. Like, you can get coffee, but uh, it's less coffee shops. And they, the alcohol, they stop serving at bars at like 1 a.m. So they just don't want you to get crazy over there. So if you go to Utah and you drink a cup of coffee and jerk off to porn, you're like a rebel. <laughs> I'm going to do that right now. In yeah. <laughs> so when you, when, when you go and you have shows there, do you do any of their like morning shows or radio promo stuff? Uh, no, actually. No. I don't think I, they don't think they have any press. <laughs> it's a pretty good club. They, they sell out and they love comedy because yeah. we can go up there and say, you know, all these horrible things. And they're like, ah, it feels good. Somebody's saying it. 
and, <laughs> you know, a couple of New Yorkers come out there and we're like, you guys are weird. What's up with this? No coffee, you Mormon freaks. What's going? And they're like, yeah, they love that fish out of water thing. Like, whoa, an outsider's in here. He's different. What is that, a Jew? <laughs> <laughs> so the crowds there are pretty hot. They're ready to Great. go. Great crowds, yeah. Nice. Every dude looks like an out-of-work MMA fighter, and every woman looks like a like an old porn star. <laughs> out-of-work MMA fighter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is hot, pretty, man. That's yeah. hot. It is. It's kind of hot. So I think the, the night we saw you that Nick hosted that show, Under the Tree, you were doing, I, I heard, three, sh- three or four shows that night between Central Park, Jersey, and way out in Brooklyn. Oh, that's right. Wow, great memory. Well, I just uh, remember you said that, and I was like, <laughs> you were like, yeah, I want to go, because, you know, we thought you'd be the headliner or whatever at the show, and you're like, I don't know, can I go, like, first? I have to get to Jersey City and then Brooklyn. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, crazy. that was, we did, what, that, that park show was at, like, 6 p.m., so I had it all mapped out, because I, I just say yes to everything, and then the, the day comes, and they go, we'll see you at 8, and then the Brooklyn show goes, we'll see you at 8, and then the show in, in, in Jersey's like, we'll see you at 8, and I'm like, oh, shit. So I had to map out. I did the park show at six, flew out to Brooklyn, went all the way out to Bushwick in some warehouse, you know, in a rape alley. I stepped on a needle. There's graffiti everywhere. You get, there's a drive-by and all this shit. And there's a Mexican guy selling uh, papaya. You knock that show out. Then you get on the L, get back to Manhattan, jump on the PATH train, then go to Jersey City. I had a guy pick me up at the PATH station in Jersey City, whip me right over to the gig. Ran right on stage, knocked it out, and went home. <laughs> so, Damn, how how long are you doing miles. at these shows, like Brooklyn and Jersey City and all that? Uh, well, the park show was like 10 minutes. Brooklyn was like 15 minutes. And then the, uh, the, the Jersey City was like a half hour. I headlined it. So I had to make it. Yeah. That's intense. Is that a – I mean, are you doing that many multiple times a week? I'm doing a lot. I, mean, I did three hours last night, literally, you know. And then tonight I'm at Bananas. That's two shows. That's two hours. And tomorrow I'm at Bananas again. That's two shows, two hours. So I'm getting up. I'm getting up. Are you, are you working out a lot of new material? A lot of new because I put that special out. Right. And uh, a lot of people saw that who'd never heard of me. So they're like, oh, we saw your special. So we'll go see you. And they don't want to see the same thing yep. they just saw on YouTube. So I got to mix it up. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, the special is phenomenal. Oh, thank yeah. you, sir. And you know, when I, whenever I talk to God, I spend a lot of time in, in LA and whenever I talk to any of my friends, we go to the comedy store or wherever. And, you know, we always, some brings up, you know, favorite comedians and undoubtedly someone brings up your special and is like, that's the best special I've seen in, in over a year. And wow. I, I agree. I watched it again last night just to brush up on it. Cause I saw it when you first put it out and I'm like, I was like trying to bounce between watching your special and waiting for them to say Trump has COVID and <laughs> and trying to stay awake. And it was way past my normal time. I crashed Nick will make fun of me because I'm old. And it, I mean, I was in tears, like again, uh. in tears. And I, you know, it's the second, third, fourth time I've seen bits and pieces of it. <laughs> <And it's> like, <laughs> Thank you. I mean, how, how long did you work out that material before you did that taping? Well, that's a, that's a good question there, LP. I actually couldn't sell the special. Like, the hour was locked. I was like, this is my hour set. I'm doing right. it in funny bones, improvs, hoo-ha-has, and bonkers, and all these shit rooms. And I kept trying to sell it to Netflix. Like, hey, here you go. Here's a new version. Here's a crisp audio, professionally done. We hired cameramen. 
here you go, Netflix, here you go, Amazon. And they were like, yeah, we're good. We got enough whitey, blow me, kill yourself. And I was like, all right, so maybe, maybe next year. Right. So then I would just do that, that hour for another year. And it just kept getting honed and honed. It was like, like a samurai sword. I'm just banging it and banging it. And it's getting sharper and sharper. And I say, hey, you want to buy this now? It's even better. And they go, ah, we got enough of you. Blow you, kill yourself, fuck <laughs> you dead, you know, whatever. So I did it for another year. And I did that for four years. So it just kept wow. getting tighter and more tags and more callbacks and zinging and zanging. So not getting picked up kind of helped it, ironically, helped it get better. And right. then eventually you're like, look, I have to do a new hour. I'm going back to Dayton, Ohio at the same yep. hour. I can't do that. So I just said, let's just shoot it. Nobody's going to buy it. Let's put it on YouTube. And that was that. Right. And what, what, you know, as far as your expectations of how it's been received there, like what, what did you expect when you said, screw, I'm just going to put it on YouTube. And now three and a half million views later. Yeah. Well, it, it, it was terrifying to be honest. It, it felt like a failure. I was like, no one's buying this. YouTube is like even Comedy Central does a YouTube and they wouldn't even buy it because they bought Sam Marill's and his killed it and he's great. But they're like, you guys are similar, jokey, skinny white guys. I don't know. And I was like, all right, now they won't even buy it for 10 bucks. So it's like, yeah, I just felt I felt like a failure. And I put it on YouTube and I got, you know, Rogan tweeted it. Bill Burr tweeted it. All those guys, Kreischer, Segura, and David Tell and Schumer and all these big names threw it out there, which helped. And then it just took off. And I think people liked that whole underdog, uh, underground aspect. Like, nobody would help this guy put it up himself. Let's watch this fucking thing. And because it was honed for 20 years, it was, it was tight. And so people were like, this didn't make it on Netflix? And we got, you know, Rob Schneider? Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> so I think, uh, I think that helped in right. a weird way. Yeah. <laughs> Don't pick on Rob. Well, I know, <laughs> I know but I know what you mean, though. There's... You know what? I, he's, look, he's a nice guy, but he's, I don't think he's in the clubs working it out oh, meticulously totally. with a fucking yeah. notepad and a, and a nope. pen. Uh, I think he's a fun guy. He's cute. He's half Filipino, and he goes up and he, uh, you know, does his stuff, and we all like him from Adam Sandler movies, and nope. uh, then you get on with your life. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm but talking, there's... This shit I worked on like it was a goddamn... Rubik's old... Cube. Thank you. Rubik's. <laughs> yeah no I, I'm, I'm only kidding i don't care if you pick on rob um, but no there's it seems like in comedy sometimes there's quotas like you said like they're like oh we already have a tall skinny white guy like sorry like you yeah. know what i mean it's like well but this is funny though like it's funny like it's that should be that should be the deciding you, you think know? those yeah, days but there's, are over. i mean i get diversity i'm all for it but like it's weird who they pick for the, they're like, this is our black guy this year. I'm like, that's the black guy. You know, it's like 50 <laughs> hilarious black guys that you could have picked. And you pick that one just cause he's black. Like go with a funny one. There's a million of them. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. It's all very strange and kind of the opposite of progress. I get that the it's on paper. It's very progressive, but you're like, you're also just booking a guy based on his skin color. Well, I thought that we were trying to get away from that and I get what you're going for, but you, you, you see what I'm saying. But, uh, yeah, so funny is like 14th on the list now. Right. Yeah, for sure. Now, but there's how... a lot of white guys in comedy. It's like hockey. Like a lot of white guys are drawn <laughs> to it. And that's just, that's just the facts. And uh, so if there's a lot of one thing, then they're not desirable. What's that economics? It's uh... Supply and demand. There it is. Thank you. <laughs> you're, you're on it, baby. 
Rubik's Cube, supply and demand. This is an economics. Hey, I only need two. I only need two. Dude, we're killing it. How much, Mark, how much did those, you know, when I knew I was going to podcast with you today, um, I was thinking to myself, like, I've heard you on Rogan. I've heard you on Fighter and the Kid. I've heard you on The Honeydew, right? I've heard you on all these podcasts. I'm like, I feel like I know everything about this guy. (laughs) Like, everything that you, you just laid it out there. But what I wanted to ask you was being on those podcasts and those platforms, like, did you see a significant boost in like, Oh yeah. You know, even followers or views, whatever, like, you know, after doing shows like that. Definitely. I think podcasts are like the new TV in a way, you know, because you know, we've all heard the old story in 1984, you did Johnny Carson, you changed your life, your household name after five minutes set. And that shit's obviously over. You can do a Netflix special. Like my friend Joe List did a Netflix half hour and he's like, eh, didn't really do much. Didn't move the needle. And you're like, wow, that didn't move the needle. Like, what are we doing here? But then you do Rogan or one of these big ones. And uh, I mean, it just skyrockets you in a matter of hours. And it's so funny because I've been doing comedy, I don't know, 13 years now. And you'd be like, oh, I'm doing a, I'm going to do Burt Kreischer's podcast. And my agent would go, how much does that pay? And I'm like, oh, it's free, but it's exposure. He's like, Ugh, don't do that. We got you this thing over here that pays 12 nickels. And you're like, all right. But they were all behind. Pod- and look what happened. Podcast just took off and everybody's, everybody who's selling out has a big podcast. That's really what it is now. So I think people are finally starting to get hip to that. And uh, podcasts are the game changer now. And who knows? Maybe in, a, in five years, will be something else. But it ain't Netflix. It ain't Hulu. It ain't Amazon. It's podcasts. Right. I mean, it's because that's where the audience is, regardless as to what you're into, are. You know, these days. Yeah. Music, podcast, news, friggin' weird, all the weird crime shit. You know, right. That's where the eyeballs are because you can consume it in in shorter bursts and yes. you don't have to worry about missing it. Like if I want to tune into, you know, you're in Joe's podcast, I'll listen for a little bit, be like, all right, I'll come back to it in an hour or whatever when I'm working out. You don't have to worry about tuning in at 1130 at night to catch five minutes at 1235 on, you know, Johnny Carson. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you can listen to it in your car while you're yeah. jogging at the gym, just it's in your ear and you get to know the person, yeah. which is really ultimately what you want as an entertainer is like, yeah somebody to go, I like this guy, or I align with this guy, or they, they feel something from you. And I, that, that's what makes them get out of their house, get into a car and buy a ticket. Yep. That's a lot of momentum it takes to like do something and then go somewhere. You really got to want to see somebody. Yeah. So getting somebody like going into their head is actually a pretty good way to sell tickets. Yeah. And, and, you know, with all the social media now being so important to every single thing everyone does, especially in entertainment, I mean, I can't tell you how many times Nick, I mean, it does not a day goes by, Nick doesn't shoot me a couple different Instagrams of bits or something he sees. He sent me, you know, always sends me stuff of yours and said, you see this on, on whatever. Uh, and it, it's just really the best way to kind of get you know your stuff passed around yes next thing you know that that little clip of you on the you know new day cleveland rolls around through every comedy fans you know phone that day and you just did something you couldn't pay money for that's that's so funny you say that because like me and my friends are like you know we're, we're we're running around trying to get on fallon or conan or whatever and you're like you do a morning news show that we all hate doing and you get way more exposure from you know touching a lady's shoulder in Cleveland at 8 a.m. 
you know? So like, you never know in this business. It's all like a guy like Andrew Schultz. He does a news show. It's like a four minute news thing or five minutes. It gets more views than the tonight show on YouTube. So you're like, what are we doing with these guys? Why are we, you know, bowing to them and kissing their feet? Like, fuck it. We got a phone. We got a camera. Let's just upload something. Cause you, the people want the funny. They don't care about the platform anymore. Yeah, for no, sure. They don't go, well, this is on the tonight show and this is on YouTube. So we got to go. They, they just go, which one's funny. Yeah. And, and as good as phones and all the crap has gotten technology wise is that you could, you could shoot a killer video in your apartment you know, pop yeah. it up, you say something funny and boom, it's out there and it's as crisp as whatever you could see. So totally. I mean, you know, I live in, where, where do you guys live? Connecticut? Yeah. Yeah. I live in Manhattan and, and you go to Brooklyn, you go to some guy's apartment to shoot a thing and he's got a green screen. He's got no couch and no stove, but he's got a green screen. He's got eight podcast mics. He's got an app. He's got a mixer. And you're like, oh, wow, this is, this is the way it goes now. Like yeah. you just got the shit in your house. Nick lives on a green screen. His whole world is green screen. There you go. That sounds healthy. <laughs> He's got the best porn. porn. Now. Lots of porn. <clears throat> so, can Mark, you put yourself in the porn. Yeah, yeah. You don't oh, want to see it. Wow. It's, it's way yeah. too hairy. It's way too hairy. <laughs> That's why I use Manscaped. Manscaped. Yes. That's our sponsor. The lawnmower. <laughs> the lawnmower. Yes, exactly. You got one. You have oh, one. Oh yeah, I got like eight of those at my house. I need three of them just to prove get my it. Ass Let's see it. You got the whole uh, landscapers. You got them all and pull up in the truck. I got the 2.0. I got the buzzer. I got the muff diver. I got the paint <laughs> tackler. I got them all. Are you clean right now? You clean downstairs right now? No, my gal likes a full manly bush. Really? Oh, Re yeah. Retro. Retro. Yeah. Soulfly. My balls look like your chin. <laughs> you should see They're the on. other side. You should yeah. see the other side. <laughs> yeah, they do a good thing over there at Manscaped. Use Man oh, yeah. and twenty. <laughs> they use our use our discount code. Now, um, Mark, so you're you're going up all the time, right? Like comedy is it's weird right now. Like it's straight, yeah. right? I mean, obviously we're doing a show under a fucking tree in Central Park. Things are strange, but like, what are your plans coming up? Like, do you have plans to shoot another special eventually, or is it more like you're just trying to get out there now and just take what you can because it's it's a strange time. It's a very strange time. Strange time. I'm, I'm trying to make the most out of the pandemic because there are perks. There are perks to a pandemic. You know, you get the stimulus check, you get more time on your hands. Uh, you can edit, you can do more podcasts because you just have your days free and whatnot. So you can get creative and we're all in the pandemic together, which is nice. That's the best thing for comedy is, is relatability because everything is so splintered now. Everybody's got their pod their show on Hulu that they watch every night and they have their whatever they listen to. And everybody's, you know, like, it's weird. Like t 20 years ago, this band, this like Korean pop band is like the biggest thing on the planet. I'd never even heard of them. Yeah. And like they sell out the garden 10 shows in a row. And I'm like, I've never heard of this Korean pop band, but they're huge. That's weird. But that's yeah. entertainment now. You just find your shit and you don't care who else is into it. Like in the 60s, the Beatles came on Ed Sullivan the whole fucking planet watched it at once. You know, that's over. So uh, it's just so, so hard to like get in people's heads. Wait, what was the question? Sorry, I got excited. <laughs> no, I was saying. <laughs> Nick definitely was, doesn't remember the question. No, I was saying like, are you, are you gearing up to like do another hour? Oh, something? yeah. So, so right now I'm putting out a ton of weird little clip, Park Normand or yep. me on a roof or me 
you know, in a field bombing. And I'm just trying to capitalize on the COVID stuff. I did Corona comedy where I went around and interviewed people like man on the street. And I'm just trying to stay relevant because I'm not really, I don't want to fly to LA to do Bobby Lee's podcast and fly home. You know, it doesn't seem worth it, even though it probably is. But so I'm like, just trying to put my own shit out. I'm building up my channel. I'm using this pandemic time to just build a following and then write new material. So I'm still, I'm hiding and working on the material quietly. Hopefully nobody films it. And then eventually I'll do another special, but I kind of want to do the Louie method of like, here's, give me five bucks and I'll give you the hour just to make, just to guarantee some money. I made money on the other one, but it'd be nice to get a, a, you know, a paycheck and not just cover my ass. Right. Right. Or break even. Yeah. I was kind of, I was going to ask you that, like what, you know, having the success three and a half million views on your one that's been out now and not that long is, yeah. is that opened your eyes to maybe doing it more on your own. Yeah, and definitely. it yourself as opposed to going to, you know, a comedy dynamics or a Netflix or whomever and kind of giving away the farm just to have a broadcast partner when you've proven you could do it on your own. Totally. I mean, and I'm still learning as I go. I'm so clueless with tech and all that shit and computers I'm horrible at. So like, Every six months, everything gets cheaper. Like, if you asked me five years ago, hey, you gonna shoot a special? That's gonna be 50 grand. If you want it to look decent, 50 grand, 30 grand, maybe. Right. And I shot mine for 15, and I tell people that they're like, 15, you got ripped off. You could have done it for eight. And I'm like, ah, oh, geez. So <laughs> now you're like, yeah, fuck it. Why wouldn't I do it myself? Yeah. So, uh, and you have complete control. You own it. You can do whatever you want with it. You can cut it up. You can put it on Instagram, half of it on uh, Facebook, whatever the hell you want. So like I have friends who sold theirs to Comedy Central for a, a nice little purse, yep. but I've already made more on mine than they did on their paycheck. Right. And it's just the first four months. So in 10 years, who knows what I'll accumulate on it, yeah. you know, with your YouTube ads and your, you know, whatever the hell, uh, Venmos and donations. So yeah, yeah. I think, I think doing it yourself is the way to go. Right. The beauty of a Netflix tapping you it's, it's a couple things. Comics, we're insecure. We need validation. So if Netflix goes, we want your special, you go, oh, I feel good. I'm so flattered. They accepted me. They like me. Oh, my God. Nobody wants to admit that, but we have that. And two, if Netflix goes, we'll shoot it, you go, great. I'll just go on stage, wear a nice leather jacket, do my jokes. You guys hire the cameraman, the, uh, the building, the lights. You take care of all the editing. I don't have to lift a fucking finger, and I get a fat paycheck. But if you do it alone, you got to, everything's hands on. You got to hire the cameraman. You got to sit with the editor. You got to pick the title. You got to pick the font. You got to pick the music. I mean, it's just so many choices. But when they do it, it's just like, hey, you figure it out. Blow me, kill yourself, whatever. So there's ups and downs. Right. Sorry, these answers are so long. No, they're great. I mean, it's, Don't worry I just about love it. hearing it. And, and, you know, because everyone has a different, you know, to your point, like, do you want to be hands on? Do you want to just sit back right. and let someone else deal? And I guess it all depends on where you are at, the, at that time. Yeah. And yeah. how big that check is. <laughs> you right, know, if they, right. if they, you know, load up the truck like the Jerry Seinfeld truck, you know, and, and those trucks, then it's a no brainer. Yes. You know, why, why go to that trouble? Um, totally. And I just give you all that dough. But yeah, it's just wild how things, you know, sort of take shape these days on the internet. And you don't need all those people the way even five years ago you did. 
No, I always compare it to the Jews. You know, the Jews moved here. They, they weren't allowed anywhere. Everybody made fun of them. Big nose, heeb, uh, Jaime, the whole thing. And then they go, well, if you're not going to allow us to do anything, we'll just run it all. We'll run everything. We'll, we'll have our own accounting. We'll have our own banks. We'll have our own real estate. We'll have our own restaurant, whatever the hell it is. And now they're number one. They own the weather. Like, they're killing it. So... I feel like comics are like that. Like, oh, Netflix, you won't give me anything? Well, I'll just go, I'll just go make my own shit. Maybe, maybe uh, you'll be knocking on my door one day. Actually, Byron Allen owns the weather. Quite a coup. Quite a coup. So, I mean, I'm kind of curious as to your, like, I mean, we talked a little bit about your writing process now, just writing. I'm assuming you go everywhere with a, a notepad and you're just making observations and writing stuff down and... There it is. <laughs> Look at that. That was your back pocket? Yeah. You were sitting uh, on that? <laughs> every day. What are you, Costanza? <laughs> I know. I got a file cabinet under half my ass. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to rotate your pelvis, dude. Take care of your low back. I don't want you. Well, to... I got a wallet on the other side, so it kind of evens out. Right. Okay, there you go. That's so what's that? Those are just little notes you'll make to yourself. Something comes up, bang, note, wherever it is, and... Pretty much, this is a set list. This is the new hour. And I hope you can't read that, but it's just joke, 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 joke. Right. It's falling apart. It's like an old treasure map and I've pissed on it, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, yeah. And then this is like the new stuff. I got to get working. Hitler, sister, Apple, porn, <laughs> black. So yeah, it's all a process. I, I like the writing. I can't uh, do the typing because it, right. it's not as fluid. I like the writing. It flows out of you when you're writing. Yeah. So do you write complete jokes or do you, when you, you know, for yourself, obviously, or do you just write down like ideas and then you work that idea out in front of an audience, like the word black, whatever it is. And then you just roll with that and see where it goes. Cause you have a general idea or are you, a, I write every word down and then go to my notes. It's a good question. I, I'm a weirdo. I'm a nerd. I'm a dweeb. I, I come up with a premise, you know, we'll just take anything like, Here's an old joke of mine. Like uh, I was hooking up with a girl and she goes, you know, I'm not wearing any underwear. And then, well, in my head, I'm like, oh, well, that's, well, would that stop me? You know, like, do you see underwear and go, oh, I'm out. I don't get it. Like, what's the difference? I don't get it. So you're like, okay, that could be a bit. That could be right. something. And then I have that nugget. And right. then I walk around my apartment or on my roof with a pen in my hand, like a microphone, which, which is super embarrassing. If anybody walked in on me, I'd, I'd want to kill myself. But I just talk it out, talk it out. And I go, that sounds like a bit. That's something. And I write that down, that line. That, that's a key part. You know, a bit is almost like trail mix. The punchlines are the M&Ms. But you still need the raisins and the cashew in there. And that's like the setup and the premise and all that. So, like, I just get the punchlines down. I go, all right, this bit has what I think is three punchlines. So I'll write underwear and then I'll write first, second, and third, and those are the punchlines, and I can fill in the gaps of the setup. Right. I go on stage, I try it f clumsily, you know, you're fumbling through it because it's new, and then maybe one of those punchlines out of the two will work. If you're lucky, you get one, yep. and I'll just keep that and then go back to my apartment, do the talking out again, knowing I have the one punchline, and maybe try to get as many more as I can, bring that on stage. One of those new ones worked. Now I got two punchlines and a joke, now it's working. Now it's in the act. And then over time, maybe I'll come up with a tag and whatnot. Right. Yeah, and that's, that's the process. Right. Uh, that's awesome. I, yeah. I was just curious. Thank, thanks for giving me that. 
complete answer. Sorry, nobody cares about this, do they? <laughs> no, they do. Trust me. Oh yeah, it, it's All interesting right. to get into the head of anyone who's you know achieved such excellent success and is so polished to to hear their process. It's very interesting whether it is a you know a chemist or a comedian. It's, it's really interesting. Well, these psychos who are like I only write on stage. I'm like, for what a time, what a waste of time that is for you and the audience. Like, yeah. if you prepare and do it at home, I know it's no fun and I know it's homework, but you're gonna have bits come out quicker and you have control of the bits when you do it when you write on stage. Sure, you might find some gold. We've all done it, but the audience is kind of dictating more where you're going with it. I feel like if you write it at home more and work on it at home, you have more control. Sure, you want the laugh, and uh, of course, at the end of the day, but if you write it, you can kind of pick where it goes. When you're doing it on stage, you kind of just got to go with the laugh. Oh, you laugh that? All right, we'll keep that part. And you're like, yeah, but what if you don't like that laugh? What if you don't like that point you made? You see what I'm – does that make sense? Oh, 100%, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah I, was, I was listening to uh, Sebastian Maniscalco on Rogan a while back, and he was saying he doesn't write anything down that's wild like he said he literally calls his mother and like tells her a story that he thinks is funny and if she laughs he tries on stage and tries to add shit to it he listens to his sets after that's good and then he goes i could you know do this this and that but like not one pen to paper just wow that poor mother she's got to hear hours of half-baked <laughs> ideas you know? hours. Like, like, jesus uh, what a sick child that is but that that is in a way writing though the, the talking to the mom on the phone that's writing in a way right. that's his process so i i don't count that as going on stage and willy-nilly okay. colin yeah, quinn had this great point one of my heroes he said uh comics think they can go on stage and talk it out and whatever but writing is actually harder because it has it proves to you that you're not a genius every comic thinks there's some kind of savant and comedic whatever they can just pull shit out of their ass you can't i don't know three people on earth have been able to do that but sitting down and writing proves that you're not brilliant and that's why it's hard for people right. because it's trial and error it's failing it's failing it's you look like an idiot script scratching shit out you know you can't think of anything you have a brain freeze or what do you got writer's block so they go, ah, I'm, I'm funny. I'll do it on stage. And you're like, yeah, it's kind of a cop-out because you're, you, you can't admit that you're not great. You have to admit, you have to be humble to sit down and write. Yeah. I've done that like once, maybe twice, where I was like, I'm just going to try this tonight, see how it goes. Like on the car ride there, just thought of yeah. something. Never goes well. One out of a hundred <laughs> times that just, just happens to kill, but it, you can't rely on it. One time it went well. I can literally remember only one time. Yeah. That's so you're it's right. <laughs> I can remember that one time. But that's also why getting up a ton helps because you have the opportunities to try that new line over and over and over. Like I did three sets last night and I was just saying crazy shit on stage at some point just to like see what would stick. And a couple of things stuck. So I'm like, great. I'll listen to that later. Could be in the act from now on. Yeah. So I, I'm, you know, with all the, the shit going on these days with this whole cancel culture and everyone being offended. God forbid you say the wrong word. You do this or do that. You, you have a lot of stuff in your, in your act where you talk about ethnicities and religions and stuff like that. Do you, are you at all concerned about saying something and having someone try to come at you on Twitter and make ridiculous claims because they sure. heard a joke that I mean, they didn't like? It's happened a little bit, but I'm luckily I'm not famous. If I was famous, I think I'd be fucked. But uh, I'm not famous, so I'm using this anonymity 
kind of in my favor. Like, all right, I'll, I'll, this is when I can say the crazy shit. But I feel like, you know, Bill Burr does it. He seems fine. Like, a yeah, lot of people hate him. I've dated girls who are like, oh, he's a misogynist. He hates women. He's so angry. And I'm like, ah, but he's also brilliant. Yeah. You, know, you know, you could argue that Patrice hated women, but he's an amazing comedian. Sure. So you're kind of like, uh, you know, I know a lot of black comics who seem to hate white people. And I know a lot of women who seem to hate men. Yeah. <laughs> but I can still like their comedy. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's funny how we don't, there's, there's a ton of female comics where you're like, you hate dudes. You, yep. you're, so, you're so angry, I can tell. But yeah. if the joke is good, I'm on board. Right. Yeah, no, because, you know, I heard you say, you know, I'm a comedian. I'm just telling jokes. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like, it, I, I wish every single person who heard a joke would just say to themselves, that's a comedian telling me a joke. You know, <laughs> I know, I know. No, no different when you go to the movies and you see someone playing a role that you think is despicable. You don't take that against that person home and say, yeah, you know, this person is a, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio owns slaves. You know, right. why? Because he played a, a guy in a movie like you don't do the same thing. So I don't <laughs> yeah, know. I think I think it's grossly unfair to comedians who are I agree. doing a craft, which is entertainment, you know, not this is how I feel America. You know, in some cases it might be, but it's, sure. it's still you're telling jokes. Like your yeah. job is to make those people laugh and make them uncomfortable. There's a little, you know, it's, it's comedy. It's be a little yeah. uncomfortable. It should be a little dangerous. Yeah. yeah. We're walking line and don't come if you don't. Here's the thing. There's so many layers to this. I, I think about this constantly. First of all, we live in such a curated world now. Like we have a Facebook, we pick who we want to be friends with. You yep. go out to dinner. You're like, I want gluten-free farm, fresh cage free uh, vegetarian, you know, whatever it is. And you can just pick exactly what you want. But if you go to a comedy club, you don't know what the guy's going to say, really. You just show up at a show. And so some guy says a thing you disagree with about gay people. And you're like, I didn't order that. Yeah. It's almost like you're shoving beef down some vegetarian's throat. Right. You know, and so what you should do is go, all right, this isn't for me. Let's leave. But it's weird to go, that joke was offensive. I'm going to ruin your life now and try to get you to not have a job. That's yeah. what I don't get. Like. I hate when the canceled people go, hey, you tell a joke I don't like, that's freedom of speech. So I can say, I don't like it. I can say you suck. And you're like, yeah, you can, but you can't try to take my career away. Yeah. That's weird. <laughs> it's a weird yeah. way to live. Like I don't yeah. like hot sauce, so nobody should have it. Right. I love hot sauce. I can't. So do I. <laughs> it's just very strange. So I think it's a lot of that. Like people, people want what they want and that's it or else they get pissed. And, and I think it's kind of gives you a personality to push back. You know, it's like, Oh, I'm this person, I'm a hero. And it, it makes you feel cool for a second, even yeah. though I don't think you really care. Right. Gives them a sense of community for people. Yeah. <laughs> when people, well, when people get upset at certain things. Uh, I mean, I posted a joke once on TikTok, and it, um, I was about my grandfather who fought in world war two. He was in the army. And I said, like, I said he was in a platoon versus a whatever. I mean, I didn't know. It was fucking World War II, right? The comment section just blew up yeah. with people saying, like, they're like, well, it wouldn't be a platoon because that was in Vietnam. And, like, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, go to work. What are you guys <laughs> yeah, doing? Yeah. I know. Like, why the fuck are there 30 comments about this shit? Like, I don't know. I'm a comedian. I was telling a joke on stage. Like I was panicking five minutes before that. I mean, I fucked right. up one word. You know what I mean? Like, 
Well, that's the thing. I mean, I, I feel like I talk about this too much because I talk about it on every podcast, but it, every joke is, is like mechanics. That's all it is. Like if I make a school shooter joke, I'm not pro school shooter. Right. I just said, hey, when I was a kid, we used to yell shotgun to take front seat. Now kids yell shotgun in a classroom. And they're like, oh, my God, what are you? It's insensitive. And I'm like, well, I just had the word shotgun in there twice. That's that's. I just heard shotgun. I'm like, oh, I could make a joke out of that. I don't give a shit. I don't want people to die. I'm just using the mechanics of the wordplay. That's yeah. all it is. Like, you're putting this whole world behind it of, like, emotion and what I'm thinking and what side I'm on and politics. I'm like, no, no, I just used shotgun twice. I thought, hey, that could be a bit there. Yeah. That's right. it. There's nothing more to it than that. But – you know, yeah. some kid got killed in her family, so she has to pretend to be upset or else she's, you know, you know, letting her kid, their dead cousin down in a way. I, I don't know. I, I think a lot of it's internal. Yeah, for sure. It's for all sure. it's all internal. Anyone that is constantly coming after somebody for something, they're, they're unhappy with themselves. Yes, There's, I agree. There is something else going on like even if you know just in my everyday life if someone's coming at me or something whatever around we're like there's something else going on because it can't be what i'm doing like yeah not that, not that i'm never annoying or whatever no no like, we're all never. Never. <laughs> but but i it people that are coming at it's it's yeah it's very much about emotions and they're you know it's personal there's so much and, content out there just right. go look at something else I know. And it's weird because it's almost like they want you to be evil. You know, like, let's say they go, I heard that joke. So you're a racist. And you're like, well, actually, my, my wife is black. And they go, all right. You're like, what do you mean? All right. I just proved you wrong. <laughs> you got to go, oh, geez. Okay. I called you a racist. I called you this horrible thing. You proved me wrong with your black wife, which is a pretty, pretty good, pretty good answer. Pretty good evidence that you're not. I'm sorry. I take it back. They never do that. They go, all oh, right. And you're like, so do you want me to be racist? That would just help your <laughs> what argument. You, what do you I want? I hate a racist. Shouldn't you be extremely happy that I'm not? Yeah. <laughs> but you like don't really that, give a shit. Back to your point about Bill Burr. Like they were saying shit, you know, he's a misogynist. It's like, he's a married man. He's been with the same woman for a long time. And he has a daughter. Two, two about. daughters. He has two daughters now. Okay. He is th that he talks about all the time and he loves yeah. it. And it's like, yeah, he's making jokes on stage to be entertaining. <laughs> that's know, all like, you think he actually fucking hates women like you really think like he's right <laughs> like, what are you fucking and, and if he does okay that's just how he feels like says a lot of people who hate men or a lot of people hate asians like i made a joke about uh nikes like how little asian boys make yeah. them like in a sweatshop and i got yelled at and i was like i'm not in the sweatshop i'm not saying it's good i'm just it exists so I made a joke about it. Like, get mad at the sweatshop. Go shut them down. What are you doing attacking me? This, will, this is doing nothing for the kids that you, so, you claim to love or, or, or care about. It's all very strange. Yeah. It's all very convenient, too. You're like, that joke's offensive to women. I'm like, well, shouldn't you start with the clit cutting off of? Like, go, go attack them and then work your way down to me. I'm like <laughs> on, the, on the, uh, the, uh, the affecting women's world kind of. Uh, scale like go start with the clip cutters i feel like you got to start up here <laughs> you got to work your way down to me I'm, I'm i'm telling a joke in a in a bar in bushwick yeah right so i you know i want to talk a little bit about your podcast with joe for yeah for right so i mean how long have you been doing that four years no i think six years? or seven oh, like it, yeah i was gonna say a long time it took a long time to, to get going so i mean you guys have had a lengthy partnership right doing the podcast Oh, yeah. uh, and 
you know, the, the whole phenomenon of podcasts really the last year is, is the, I think the, when everyone exploded into having one, right. Yeah. You guys have been in the forefront for now. I, I thought four or five years, but obviously longer. What, you know, where have you seen the changes in the podcast world, you know, from when you guys started, like, and I'm assuming when you started, you were just like, Hey, let's have some fun. Let's do this podcast. And now you have, you know, this lengthy podcast with Joe, you know, what, what do you see? What makes you guys good together? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. I think the way it's changed is there's a lot of crossover. Like you see like Brendan Schaub and Theo do one yep. and then Bobby Lee and Santino do one. And then Chris Stefano and Giannis do one, but he also does one with this guy. Like you just keep, you keep uh, interweaving. So you're like, right. we have fans, you have fans, let's connect them. Let's connect them. And so you just kind of keep growing and growing, which I think is really smart. And, and people are making a lot of money doing that. And, uh, that's that's where it's going now. It seems to be this web of like connecting pods. Right. Uh, like Segura has one. Burke Reicher has one. Let's connect. Now yeah. they both have one, and it's huge. Yeah. So that's that's pretty cool. It's almost like this family tree of podcasts. And then uh, me and uh, Joe, it's like a podcast is almost like a comic where if you have two people, you got to find your voice together. Yeah. And now we have this kind of jazzy rapport, I guess you'd say, and we have our own little language, and we're we have our own little uh, chat and banter that we only, yep. it's like only to, what do you call it? Exclusive to us. You know, we made up our own little language yep. and uh, it's this cadence to it and callbacks and whatnot. So I think we're, we're, we're cooking now, but it, it takes forever. Yeah. It takes a long time, obviously to build that between two people. Um, yeah. It's, I'm kind of, yeah. What do you think about that? All the, the commingling of, of people together in the podcast. Cause I, I look at it as a, you know, initially my thought is, well, you're just sort of splitting your audience, but you, so you see it as combining audiences. If yeah, Brendan definitely. has one and that guy has when they come together, they're expanding their audience. They're not basically talking to the same people and splitting their time. Yes. Yes. And I think it combines, I think it, it, it grows it exponentially. Right. And then, so you got Bert and Segura and then they have Bobby Leon. So now you got three different fan bases all watching one thing. Right. So then your numbers go up. More people see it. The ads go up. The money goes up. It just it it's a can't miss. The only problem is sometimes I'll I'll watch like I watch Segura at some show in a theater, and everybody's like, "What's up with Bert? Bert's fat." And you're like, "Oh man, these people think they know you so well that they're like yeah. saying, you know, funny like uh, inside jokes." Yeah. And you're like, "Man, that's that's a whole other level of like a fan base." Yeah. Right. His fans are pretty diehard, man. Man. Oh yeah. They're, great fans they're they're deep on that all the, like the yeah. little stupid inside jokes and shit yeah which is good i guess because that means like whoa you're deep in but also like let me do my act yeah right <laughs> so listen before we before we go um you know anything else you want to throw out there and promote this coming or just see you everywhere you possibly can working besides your instagram like where and twitter obviously where do people find your dates what you're doing what's up with you uh, yeah, yeah. First up, check out my pod with List Tuesdays with Stories. Check out Out to Lunch on uh, YouTube. Give it a like and a comment and a subscribe. I'm really trying to grow my channel. Yeah. Because, you know, fuck, hey, if NBC can have a channel, why can't we have a channel? Hell yeah. So I got all the types of videos, late nights, you name it, uh, old jokes, new jokes, sketches. And uh, yeah, yeah. Check out the uh, social medias and whatnot. I put up jokes every day on Twitter and Instagram and 
Yeah, tell a friend and praise Allah. <laughs> Good comedy. <laughs> All right, man. We want, definitely want to thank you for um, chatting with us, taking the time. We yeah, look forward to doing some shows with you, um, Nick. Just when you hit hit stop record, don't cancel out the meetings. I want to talk to Mark about the date before we split. Okay. And that's it. Thanks for listening, Mark. You're the best. Thank you, sir. Thanks, I brother. Hope somebody found that interesting because that was pretty inside. <laughs> <laughs>